Happy Friday. You made it. It is June the 24th. Thank you so much for joining us on the Daily Rejoicing Podcast, a podcast Monday through Friday where we just take the Bible, open it up, and see what treasures we can find. In 2 Chronicles 18 today, we've been going through Psalms, and Lord willing, we'll return there on Monday, but I came across this story this week, and it is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I've preached a whole sermon on it before, and I don't remember if I've done it in the last few years, but every time I hear the name of this particular hero that we don't know much about besides this one story in the Bible, every time I hear his name, I just get inspired, and my heart gets a little lighter, and my stand for Christ gets a little more strong whenever I read about this prophet that we find in 2 Chronicles 18, 2 Chronicles 18. Now, if you have your Bible today, I would encourage you to grab it because we'll be looking at the whole chapter of 2 Chronicles 18. And I just want to tell you the story about a man named Micaiah. Micaiah. 2 Chronicles 18, verse number one says this. Now, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. Jehoshaphat was the ruler of Judah. Ahab was the ruler of Israel. Judah was uh, the good kingdom at this point. Jehoshaphat was a good ruler, a godly ruler, although in this chapter we'll see how he made a big mistake. But overall, he'd prepared his heart to seek the Lord, and God was pleased. Ahab, on the other hand, was a wicked man. He was a wicked king. And Jehoshaphat was at war with Syria, and he made a league with Ahab, even though he shouldn't have because Ahab was wicked, all right? So verse number two of Second Chronicles 18, and after certain years, he went down to Ahab to Samaria, that's the capital of Israel, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance and for the people that he had with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. Okay, so Ahab persuades Jehoshaphat, a good king, to make a league with him. And Ahab, king of Israel, said unto Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Wilt thou go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in the war. Shouldn't have done that, but he did. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Now, real quick, I want you to see that. Jehoshaphat was a man who cared about what God said. And so before any major thing was going to happen, Jehoshaphat wanted to know what God thought about it. By the way, that is a great pattern. That's a great habit. Before you go ahead with anything, you want to see if it's the will of God. That's a, a way that we would say it nowadays. Back here at this point in history, in these Bible times, they would inquire of a prophet. Today, if a man has the gift of prophecy, we mean that he has the gift of preaching, of forth-telling what God has said in the Bible. Back here, it was also a man who would say what God had said, but it would often be a direct answer from God about that situation. Also, sometimes it would be directly what the future held. Remember, future, uh, or excuse me, prophecy is history written in advance. Prophecy about the future from God is history written in advance. And the prophet here was just the mouthpiece of God. And Jehoshaphat said, verse four again, unto the king of Israel, Ahab, inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. 
Before he did anything, you want to know what God has said. Verse 5, Therefore the king of Israel gathered together of prophets 400 men, 400 men, 400 preachers, 400 prophets came in and said unto them, here's the question, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall I forbear? Should I go or should I not go? And they said, they meaning the 400 prophets, everybody, 400 men said, go up for God will deliver it into the king's hand. Now, I don't know about you, but 400 people that are supposed to be men of God, that's that's what they profess to be here, prophets, prophets of the Lord, 400 people say, yes, go, you'll be successful. I mean, I don't know. I would probably say, that's great. Let's go. I would feel, feel very secure in that. I've talked to a lot of preachers here lately, a lot of different pastors, just to get uh, counsel and advice. And and if if all of them say one thing and they're all of one voice, I'm going to feel pretty good about following their advice. I mean, wouldn't you, if you had a disease and you went to three or four doctors and they were all well-respected and they all said the same thing, you'd probably go ahead. But there was something about these 400 men that Jehoshaphat, a good king, a king who did seek the Lord, something didn't seem quite right with Jehoshaphat. Even though the other king was saying, yes, let's do it. And even though it was against an enemy, and even though there were 400 men professing to be men of God who were saying to do this thing, Jehoshaphat wasn't convinced. There was something about them that didn't make them seem like men of God or whatever. So verse six, but Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we may inquire of him? Now, that's a funny question, isn't it? 400 men get paraded in front of the king and they all say the same thing. And Jehoshaphat said, do you have any men of God here? <laughs> I, I don't want somebody that's towing the company line and just agreeing with everybody else. I, I want to hear from God. Verse seven, the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him for he never prophesied good unto me but always evil. The same is Micaiah, the son of Imla. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. And so, I don't know if you heard that, but there's really not much to add to that. Ahab said, yeah, there's one more, but I hate him because he is never nice to me. He'd be that preacher in town where that preaching steps on your toes. Say, yeah, he's a man of God, but I hate him because when he preaches... He mentions things that I'm doing that God doesn't like. So I hate him. And that's what he said. I hate him. And Jehoshaphat said, no, don't say, let not the king say so. Come on. Verse number eight. And the king of Israel called for one of his officers and said, fetch quickly Micaiah, the son of Imla. You can almost hear the tone there. Get Micaiah. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, sat either of them on his throne clothed in their robes. And they sat in a void place at the entering in of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. Yes, go, go. Look in verse number 10. This is ridiculous. And Zedekiah, the son of Chenaanah, had made him horns of iron and said, Thus saith the Lord, with these thou shalt push Syria until they be consumed. Now we know the whole chapter here and I'll get to it, but that's not true. But they were pushing their story that God had told them 
that if Jehoshaphat and Ahab make a league and they go against the Syrians, they're going to win. They were pushing it so hard that it was turning into a circus. This man, Zedekiah, who was another, quote, prophet here, he had put on a play, a skit. He made a helmet with horns of iron coming out of it. And I could see him running back and forth in front of these two kings on their thrones and saying, with these, thou shalt push Syria until they be consumed. I mean, ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Verse number 11, and all the prophets prophesied so, saying, go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of of the king. They were saying, you know, it's God's will. We really feel like it's what God would have you do. There there are a lot of bold proclamations, but as we'll see here in a second, there was little God, actually no God involved in anything they were saying. Verse 12, and the messenger that went to call Micaiah spake to him. So the messenger goes to get the prophet. And here's what he says. Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king with one assent. Let thy word, therefore, I pray thee, be like one of theirs and speak thou good. The servant, the messenger came and said, look, Micaiah, I know you. But all these 400 prophets, they are saying the same thing. Micaiah, you're going to make everybody's life a lot easier. and Everything will go real smoothly for you, for me, for the king's temper, for all these 400 prophets. If you just come and you agree with all the 400 prophets that say, to their best estimation, they believe it's the will of God that they go fight. Micaiah, will you please just go along? Will you please just get along to go along? Verse 13, and Micaiah said, as the Lord liveth, even what my God saith, that will I speak. Whoa, that's it. That's Micaiah, man. Micaiah, reminds me of John the Baptist when he said, what, for, what went ye forth to see? A, a reed shaking in the wind? I mean, a true prophet of God, it literally doesn't matter at all what the whole world says. Whatever God says, that's what he's going to speak. You know, you might write that on a three by five card. If you're a young man, you might write that down and you might commit, you know, whatever God says, I'm going to just say myself, whatever God says, I'm going to agree with Micaiah, the man said again, quote, as the Lord liveth, even what my God saith, that will I speak. Verse 14, and when he was come to the king, the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall I forbear? And he said, go ye up, prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. Now, I know this was sarcastic because of the king's response. And and I wish, you know, one day we'll be able to have this replayed and all the stories, I think, maybe be able to see him. And you can just see the tone and the and the way that Micaiah said it, yeah, 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 he's a bold man, so he doesn't care. He said, yeah, 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 it's going to be great, king, go ahead. Verse 15, the king said unto him, how many times shall I adjure thee that thou say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? He said, Micaiah, you tell me the truth. You tell me the truth. Verse 16, then he, Micaiah said, I did see all Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return, therefore, every man to his house in peace. In other words, they weren't going to prosper. And the shepherd, meaning the king, was going to be gone. Verse 17, and the king of Israel, Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell thee that he would not prophesy good unto me, but evil? This is hilarious. Ahab rings the truth out of Micaiah and then turns to Jehoshaphat and said, see, did I not say that he wouldn't say anything nice to me? 
I mean, Micaiah, Micaiah said exactly what God wanted him to say. And so Micaiah doubles down. Verse 18, the next verse. Again, he said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who shall entice Ahab, king of Israel, that he may go up and fall or die at Ramoth Gilead? And one spake after this manner and another saying after that manner. Then there came out a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said unto him, wherewith? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, thou shalt entice him and thou shalt prevail. Go out and do even so. Now, therefore, behold, Micaiah is still speaking. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil against thee. Wow. Micaiah really did speak the truth. He said, not only are you going to fall, but the Lord wants it to happen because you're such a wicked man. And the Lord sent a lying spirit in the mouth of these 400 toy building yes men does it say whatever to please the king and there's a lying spirit in the mouth of these every single one of them is a liar every single one you are going to fall uh, verse 23 then zedekiah the son of chenana that was the the boy with the horns came near and smote micaiah upon the cheek and said which way went the spirit of the lord from me to speak unto thee so micaiah is getting hit and persecuted and micaiah said behold thou shalt see on that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. Man, Micaiah is the man. He was fearless. He fearlessly gave the word of God as it was given to him, clearly. Then the king of Israel said, Take ye Micaiah and carry him back to Amon, the governor of the city, and to Joash the king's son. And say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in the prison and feed him with bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I return in peace. And Micaiah said, If thou certainly return in peace, then hath not the Lord spoken by me. And he said, Hearken, all ye people. Uh, I'll read the rest of, of the chapter. Now you listen in just to wrap up the story. I know it's a little longer than normal. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and will go to battle. But put thou on thy robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and they went to the battle. Now, by the way, I mean, is that not a red flag, Jehoshaphat? Ahab says, look, I'm going to look like a regular soldier, but you look like a king. Good strategy, right? Let's, let's go to battle. Uh, okay. <laughs> Verse 30. Now the king of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariots that were with him saying, fight ye not with small or great, save only with the king of Israel. And it came to pass when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, it's the king of Israel. Therefore they compassed about him to fight. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and God moved them to depart from him. For it came to pass that when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, remember that's Ahab, they turned back again from pursuing him. And a certain man drew a bow at a venture, like a bow and arrow, and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. Therefore he said to his chariot man, Turn thine hand that thou mayest carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day. Howbeit the king of Israel stayed himself up in his chariot against the Syrians until the even, and about the time of the sun going down, he died. In uh, the account in the book of Kings, um, we see that the dogs licked his blood, Ahab. He was a wicked man. And we see in the next chapter also how God dealt with Jehoshaphat. And he said, what, what are you doing linking affinity with wicked men? 
And uh, he forgave him, though, because Jehoshaphat had a heart to seek the Lord. But I want to encourage you this way. Uh, Micaiah was a true prophet of God. I don't think there's any, any way we can argue that. He stood firm against popular threats or uh, popular opinion, uh, threats, ridicule, persecution, and he boldly delivered the word of God. And in our culture today, you might feel like a Micaiah. I have here in my, in my hand here a pastor that I only recently met. I was talking to him recently just about the subject of the will of God, finding what God wants you to do. And he sent me a little snapshot of a picture of a book that he came across many years ago, and he said he sends it to whoever might need it. I'm going to read this to you. Finding the will of God. How do you find what God wants? And I'm reading here now. It says, Bob Mumford in the book, Take Another Look at Guidance, compares discovering God's will with a sea captain's docking procedure. A certain harbor in Italy can be reached only by sailing up a narrow channel between dangerous rocks and shoals. Over the years, many ships have been wrecked, and navigation is hazardous. To guide the ships safely into port, three lights have been mounted on three huge poles in the harbor. When the three lights are perfectly lined up and seen as one, the ship can safely proceed up the narrow channel. If the pilot sees two or three lights, he knows he's off course and in danger. God has also provided three beacons to guide us. The same rules of navigation apply. The three lights must be lined up before it is safe for us to proceed. The three harbor lights of guidance are, number one, the Word of God, or an objective standard. That's biblical principles. So number one, the Bible. Number two, the Holy Spirit. That's a subjective witness, prevailing peace. How does the Holy Spirit make me feel about this after I've determined that it is in line with Scripture? And then finally, number three, the third light is circumstances. That's divine providence, a clearly open door and a clearly shut door, that sort of thing. Together, they assure us that the directions we've received are from God and will lead us safely along his way. But you know what I see so often is that number one, two, and three, word of God, Holy Spirit, and circumstances, they kind of go backwards. Somebody experiences an opportunity and they think, well, it must be the will of God. But if God's word says something, that's it. The word of God must be delivered clearly and trusted in, in every area it touches and stood upon fearlessly and boldly proclaimed. I tell you, there, were, there was an opportunity, there were circumstances, an open door for Jehoshaphat and Ahab to go against the Syrians. There was probably a, a big spirit of peace. There was 400 counselors, 400 prophets, all saying the same thing. But then there was the word of God. And Micaiah, the only true prophet, said, listen, God has said, you will die if you go out there. But Ahab said, no way. All these people said this thing. We've got an opportunity. And he missed the will of God. Well, the will of God was for him to be judged there. But he he decided to ignore the will of God and ignore the word of God. You might feel like a Micaiah today. You might feel like there is 400 to one against you. There are 400 quote unquote prophets, people that ought to be respected, but they're saying something that's not true. 
They're going against the word. Maybe they're on the news. Maybe they're somebody you know personally, but the popular opinion is against you because you are for the word of God. And the Christian life is really all about standing strong, fighting spiritual warfare, and trusting God. I'm, I'm almost done. I'm going to read you these few verses from Ephesians 6. Listen to these words. Listen to these words about standing strong. Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Not sit, not going to hide yourself in an inner chamber like Micaiah said Chenea would do, but standing and being strong. Verse number 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. By the way, if darts aren't getting thrown, you're probably not standing. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Today, do you feel outnumbered? Good. You're probably standing for truth. The Christian life is about standing strong, fighting spiritual warfare, It's about trusting God. Christian, today, stand strong on what's right. Be like Micaiah. And in a world of 400 prophets, be prophet number 401.